Hello and welcome to the e-commerce gold podcast. I'm your host Finn and on today's show we have another fantastic guest for your listening pleasure. It's Brett from the Nine Figure Brand Kizik. Brett started his career at Purple, the mattress with the famous Goldilocks advert that ran. It was very funny on YouTube for a long time. You might even remember it. And he's since moved on to Kizik, which is a hands-free shoe. But surely all shoes are hands-free. Yes, technically. But this shoe, you just slide on in there. 180 patents protect these shoes from competitors. You don't need your hands to put them on. That's the sort of thing. But Brett talks about how it's been in the shoe game, uh, what their aims are, how they're getting to a billion dollars from where they currently are. And altogether, it's a fantastic conversation brought to you by Sendlane. Sendlane is the company that you should be using for emails, for SMS, and for reviews. Why? They're cheaper than Clavio. They're more modern than Clavio, in my opinion. The team will get behind your business better than Clavio. I mean, it's not just about Sendlane versus Clavio. Sendlane is a fantastic standalone tool, but they are disrupting Clavio. You should check them out today. Links in the show notes below. And this show is also brought to you by another one of my favorite applications. That's Rewind. Is it my favorite because I've used it to save my bacon more than once? Yes, but that's not the only reason why you should install it. You should install it because it gives you a staging site, which means you can test things before you do it on your live site, which is very important. But it also gives you an undo button. And if you mess something up, rather than calling your developers or frantically panicking because you've just deleted a load of products, you can just click the undo button. Having that option is invaluable. So please check them out. They're in the Shopify app store or the link is down below. Enjoy today's episode and over to you, Brett. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Ecom Gold podcast. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Very well. Very, very well. Uh, you just, we just had a quick chat. Uh, I told you I'm into CrossFit. Everyone knows that by now, but you're into golf. So I'll ask you one question. You get paired up with someone on the golf course at your local golf club. You've not played with them before. They seem like a nice person. They ask you what you do and what you're all about. How would you answer that question? What I do? Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because I think uh, as a marketer, we try and put spins on things and and make it maybe over complex, you know, complicated. But, you know, um, for me, uh, it, it's just, um, I'm a marketer by trade. I, I love, you know, helping people on their journey to, to find the right product. And, uh, but you know, my, my sales pitch is I work for a hands-free footwear company that, you know, brings, uh, you know, hands-free footwear to all. So, um, but my, my everyday life is I'm a dad. Uh, you can kind of see in my hat, you know, I'm, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. Um, and, uh, those are my passions. I, I love, uh, my family and, and, uh, just spending time with the people I love. So nice. How do you optimize that while you're doing your job? Have you got some kind of set structure? Do you have any firm rules around work-life balance? Yeah, it's, it's hard. Um, I mean, I, I, um, my wife would tell you that, you know, maybe I spend, uh, I I love to work. I I love, um, you know, I don't get the Sunday scaries. Um, I don't, um, you know, dread going to work. And so I have to, I have to, when I come home, I have to turn it off. So I've, I've tried over the last, you know, uh, especially the last handful of years to really, when I'm home, I'm home and I, and I try and at least put my phone away and, and turn off notifications. But, 
you know, when you love what you do, um, and especially in marketing, I'll see something on TV or, um, you know, when I'm just kind of, you know, my brain's kind of always going thinking like, Oh, that's a, that's an interesting way that, uh, to think about the marketing industry or a cultural trend or something. And so, um, you know, there's always those moments where it, it slips in, but I just try and be present, try and be a present dad and, and uh, husband and, and, uh, you know, make the most of the time, you know, I am at home and, and just go deep into, you know, uh, whatever I'm doing with my family and, and, uh, and, and yeah, that, that seemed to work really well. Um, where I can, when I'm at work, I can really dive deep and focus on work, but, you know, I'm home, you know, be the best dad and, and husband I can. So, um, we'll see if that is actually true when my kid, if I didn't screw up my kids when they grow up and, and, uh, we send them off, but, um, it, it's fun. Why does that always happen when you're, when you're, uh, having that downtime, that's, that is like objectively when you think of all these crazy good ideas, I find anyway, you're like, just, uh, oh, switch off for a minute. You know, I'm going to enjoy this. You're sitting yeah. in the park and then you see someone walk past wearing that brand that you've heard all about. And you think, I wonder what made that person purchase that brand and, and why do they choose to wear that state? And you're like, nope, stop it. Focus on yeah. being in, in real life in the present moment. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. But, um, that is the plague that plagues us all. I think at least, at least the, uh, the best marketers and the best operators out there. I think that is something you just can't switch off, but I, yeah. it is yeah. annoying that it always seems to happen when you're trying to not make it happen. And they're always the best ones too, that you just have to scribble down. Do you carry a notepad or you Siri guy, or do you just chuck it into your phone? Yeah. I'm an, I'm just like use my notes app. Um, but it like, to your point, I, I think because my mind's going all day long when I'm in the shower at night, those are when like everything, all of the ideas come out. And I wish I had like a, a whiteboard in my shower just to like put down notes. So I'm, I'm trying to create like moments that I can remember as soon as I get out of the shower and, and I hear and go write it down. Um, cause yeah, I think your mind's just kind of, it's relaxed and I'm like, Oh, that's a great idea. So, um, you want a really quick way to work out where entrepreneurs and, and top marketers live. You could just look at their water usage versus um, <laughs> for household, household people because it would be extremely high because I'm insane. You just zone out, don't you? And you go, hey, I'm having a shower. I'm having a shower. I've been in <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so strange how the subconscious works. I'd love to yeah. tap into that. A bit more. I, I need someone to figure that out. I mean, if that was on tap where you could just go into that zone and oh. come up with those ideas, that would be incredible. Um, cool. Well, I, you're like me. You're like a lot of the listeners then, I think, where you just yeah. cannot turn it off. And are you thinking about marketing stuff? Like what sort of things are you thinking about? Are you thinking about, oh, how could I do that better? Are you think about how could I how could I take that into my own business and, and how could I implement that in the marketing that we're doing? What, what sort of things are the reoccurring themes when you're thinking like that? Yeah, um, I, I think it changes by um, the season of your business. I mean, you know, early on when, when I first started at Kizik, I've, uh, I just hit my four year mark. Um, and it was all about like, how do we survive? How do we, um, go from selling 20 pairs a day to a uh, hundred pairs a day, or, you know, how do we take the kind of the next step? Um, it was, it was all about kind of, um, you know, really product market fit and how do we, how do we like get this out there? And, and now where we've been fortunate enough to grow the company over the last four years, um, it, it's, you know, how do we make this a household brand? How do we take the next step to becoming a billion dollar brand? Um, 
how do we uh, maybe reposition the company um, from where we were last year to where you know we want to we want to go um, in twenty four and and just set ourselves up for um, you know long term success and and now we're playing on you know omni channel and retail and wholesale and there's there's all these um, new challenges to to overcome so I think you know it it really does um, change by um, the month and the year. And, and that's, what's actually really exciting is it's not, you know, um, how do we get an, you know, 5% growth, you know, we're, how do we three X, how do we, you know, how do we, um, achieve profitability and, and some of these other, you know, big initiatives that, um, you know, it, it's fun being in a position where, um, you know, I'm tasked with, with trying to solve those things. So, um, yeah. Um, it, and then building a team, right? I think that's that's a big one for us. You know, when we started, it, there was a handful of us on the marketing team, and now we're a team of thirty. Um, so managing um, a team that um, you know where, where you're used to doing it all, you know, firing yourself to then manage a team to to then execute a vision is a completely new set of challenges where you want to you know focus on culture and and uh, career progression for someone else, and so it's just a you know, it's a, it's a unique beast, but it's really challenging and there's never a, a dull moment. So. I think, I think what you're saying is you, you think about a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can say I, I kind of was ping ponging around like, well, but now I have to think about that. And, oh, and that. So yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot. Okay. So here's, here's, here's something that I want to know about because, um, how, when you have so much to think about, um, how do you prioritize your thoughts? Do you have any kind of methods? Do you have, so, so for the listener, we will do an introduction. We will, um, we will cover off what Kizik's all about and what Brett's all about. But just, I'm interested to understand this because this is something I struggle with. You have so many things to think about in a day. You have so many things that you're working towards. Personally, I use things app but generally that's just in the, i'm terrible at admin i'm terrible at organization but i wake up in the morning i try and write down the things that i need to get done that day but it's a never-ending list of tasks so for someone that's been doing this for a long time in this game what have you worked out in terms of prioritization in terms of your own operating manual to get shit done um and actually execute like, do you have any tips for us how can we be better at doing that uh I wish I could say I have it all figured out. Um, I things, a couple of things that I found helpful for me though, is, is, um, yeah, finding opportunity where I can, I can write down my thoughts and then, um, then prioritizing those by greatest impact. I think, um, you know, we're all, um, in countless meetings. My, my schedule is packed with meetings. Um, but I've really tried to start canceling the ones that, um, really could be, you know, a loom or, you know, asynchronous. And that's opened up uh, more time for me actually to execute and get stuff done. Um, but then too, yeah, just kind of, you know, a, a basic kind of scoring, you know, rubrics where you can say, Hey, what, what, what can I get done and what, what's going to make the greatest impact. Um, and I focus on those and kind of try and knock those out throughout the day. And then, you know, um, schedule in time for me to, to kind of deal with maybe the smaller things that are, um, you know, that aren't going to make the greatest impact or, um, are the most, 
truly time sensitive from a business objective standpoint. Um, I could spend all day dealing with, you know, the minutia and being in the weeds. Um, but that's something I've had to kind of, like I said, pull myself out of and, and Hey, what does the business need me to do? What's the best use of my time? And, and, um, that, that's just helped me kind of reframe my mindset and where I don't get bogged down with, you know, you know, really, like I said, in the weeds tasks that, um, I can, I can, I, unfortunately I, we've, we've hired fantastic people that I can, I can pass on to them where they have, you know, more bandwidth. So, um, yeah, that, that's helped me. Do you find, I mean, we were speaking kind of loosely ties off this, this segment, but do you find that you come up with your best ideas when you're doing that? When we spoke about when you were having that off time, and then if that's true, why isn't your whole job just to go and play golf and think about good things for the business? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a uh, man. I, maybe I should. Can we cut that part out and uh, I can take that back? No. Um, there, there's. Um, I think there's something inherently, yeah, value about freeing your mind up. Um, where, and like I said, I, I'm not great at it. My, a lot of my Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays are just chocked full of meetings. And I'm trying to stick, take a step back from those to free up time to create, but there is something that, you know, spending time with your team, um, in meeting brainstormings where creative juices are flowing. That's still so valuable. Um, some of our, um, most, uh, impactful campaigns and strategies, they come out of those meetings. So there's no way to just kind of shortcut through the grind of being, um, in it, um, in those, those moments where you can collaborate as a team. And, and that's where some of the, the greatest marketing ideas are, are born. And, and I think, um, I don't ever want to be out of those meetings, um, or, or those opportunities to, to kind of really work through a, a big concept or, or, you know, whiteboard session, but yeah, taking a step back, taking time for yourself um, and moments away really do energize and you come back with, with some of those, those ideas. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a balance, but um, trying to figure it out every, you know, every day and get better at it. So. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. I can't, I can't say this is the shark tank segment of the show so we'll call it the the bear's den welcome to the bear's den uh i want you to just give me the uh introduction pitch for what kizik is all about you want like the the origin story or what 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 do you what can i sell you on if you were uh, if you were going on the shark tank and in that first couple of minutes explaining the business how would you explain it yeah um like i said we're we're a, a hands-free tech company that, um, you know, we, we have more than 180 patents worldwide and we're on a mission to revolutionize the, the footwear industry. Um, and we, we do it by creating, you know, stylish hands-free footwear, um, that really brings comfort, um, and convenience to, to everyday life. So, you know, we, um, we're backed our founder, um, I'm going to go a little bit of a long version, but our founder, Mike Pratt, um, he's, he's a serial inventor. Um, and he's kind of one of those people that's always searching for the next problem to solve. So, um, you know, this started way back when, where he, he kind of had this idea of like, why are we still bending over? Why are we still tying our shoes? Um, there's gotta be a better way. And so he kind of went and he set out to, you know, find, find a better way. Um, 
to uh, he, I don't know if for those out there, he started a company called Ogeo, which was a bag company, um, and then sold that to Callaway Golf. But during that time, he was, he had this like nagging idea of, you know, there, there's got to be a better way to, um, to do it. And so, you know, he, he just relentlessly innovated until he came up with not just one way, but hundreds of different ways to put on your shoes, um, or, or different ways to enhance the footwear experience. And like I said, now we have over 180 patents that have allowed us to, uh, you know, to scale where we are today. So like I said, we're, we're on a mission to really, you know, change the footwear game forever, um, which is a lofty goal, but um, we're doing it. So uh, it's, it's been pretty, pretty exciting. What are the, what are the, um, what are the number uh, top 10 patents for? What what are like your your holy grail patents for? What are you protecting? I imported uh, a bulk import of products into Shopify, and I did not put in the meta fields the created date, and uh, that sent the whole filtering system haywire because you could no longer filter by collect filter collections by newest in first uh, or, or date added to the website, which was a really big problem for this quite large fashion brand. If I didn't have Rewind, that would have been a complete pickle. It would have taken hours, if not days, to sort out all of the while these products are live and really messing up their merchandising. A mistake by me, absolutely. But fortunately, I had the foresight to install Rewind before I made any of these changes. And I was able to just click a button, restore the site back to a previous version just a few minutes before I made that fatal error. And no one was any the wiser. That's the value of Rewind. That's just one use case, okay? One use case. There are hundreds of other use cases. Have it on there because when you need it, you'll text me or you'll tweet me and say, thank you so much, Finn, for recommending that I installed Rewind. You saved my bacon. Back to today's show. Yeah, without divulging too much, um, yeah, you know, our, our secret sauce is all, all about, you know, um, footwear entry, how you, how people get in and out of, um, your shoes, um, and the experience that, that we can provide, um, you know, are, are all kind of in and around that, that way. So it's, it's hard, uh, probably maybe for the outside person looking in, but, um, there's so many different ways and, and, uh, structural components that go into, um, making a, a shoe like ours. So it's not just like, you step in and it feels like a floppy slipper that you're, you know, you can't really wear, but you know, when you, when you step into a Kizik, you're, you're stepping into, um, an experience that, um, really you kind of have to, ex- you know, experience to believe, but it, it, you step in without bending over and, and your, your shoe is on and it fits like a regular shoe. You can go and, and perform any, you know, um, regular activity that you normally would do. And, and, um, and, and so there's a lot of um, technology that goes into that that is sometimes seen externally, but oftentimes is just you know internal. So um, I think it would surprise most people to to know the different ways that we've we've kind of patented um, you know putting on and, and adjustability and, and managing the yeah the experience with your shoes. So um, and, and some of it's not even I mean a lot of it's not even out on the market yet. So it's we have a lo- a long way to go. And you've done some you've done some yards in this game. You know, you've been been around the block. So uh you just give us a quick recap of some of the previous jobs you've held, where they've been, and maybe just yeah. like some key moments, 
some things that have stuck with you from maybe just pick one from 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 each Did you do that? yeah i actually didn't start off in in marketing um originally i i did uh um i, I was a portrait photographer for about 10 years um and um that was a, a really uh, fun experience i i didn't realize at the time that i was marketing uh myself and uh the company along the way I and mean, it was that when you're spending that much time with people and kind of uh, providing an experience and, and then selling your service on top of that, you know, you kind of learn, um, you know, human psychology and buyer psychology and, and all the fundamentals that go into marketing. And so, you know, and then it was, that was around the time that like Facebook was, um, you know, kind of, uh, blowing up in the, you know, two thousands where you could, you know, um, do a lot more organically. So we I kind of started there and then, uh, worked my way into um, agency life. Um, I worked for a digital agency where I was, you know, managing enterprise clients, and so you got to talk about strategy and execution, and and working, you know, on, you know, kind of the the paid social and search and SEO, and kind of learn the whole gamut there, and and that was a really good learning opportunity. And then I just, you know, like as most people do, it was like agency life is not for me. Um, I wanted to go um, in house. Um, um, but before I went, um, to my first kind of in-house, I, I had, um, worked with my, my brother actually, and we developed, um, a CRM, uh, software solution, um, that, that had to do with photography from kind of a, my experience there. And, and so did that for a few years, we sold that exited. And that's when I realized I got to go find, you know, a, a new job and, and found this, um, this opportunity for a mattress company. Um, which I was like, well, mattresses, I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't sound very exciting, but it turned out that that was purple. Um, the kind of the iconic mattress company that a lot of marketers know and, and, uh, was early, you know, one of the first, um, dozen employees on the marketing side there and, and got to experience what, you know, was explosive growth, you know, from, you know, few, few million dollars to going public and, you know, being valued at a billion dollars. And, and, um, you know, that was, that was an amazing ride, um, and experience where getting enough to learn a lot of the digital space, um, the, you know, e-com space and, and really kind of, you know, planted my flag, you know, in the industry. And, and then I, that's how I got connected with our, um, our CMO there is now, um, our CMO here at Kizik. Um, his name is Alex MacArthur. And so we kind of joined Kizik together and, and learn, uh, took a lot of what we learned at, um, purple and, um, our playbook there and have been able to kind of instill some of that, um, at Kizik. So, um, and I've been here for four years, so it's been, um, a fun ride and I've been lucky to be part of, you know, two really, really powerful, uh, innovative, um, and, and patented, you know, technology based companies. So, um, it, it's been a fun ride. What can you give away from that playbook? I'd, I mean, I just want all of it, really. But yeah. The purple success stories, obvious for everyone to see. Um, actually, also before I want to ask you that, how do you take a good portrait photo on a phone specifically? Because this is something my fiance asks me all the time, and apparently, there's if you put if you put more effort in, you get a better picture. Sometimes <laughs> it's a great picture; she's very happy, and sometimes it's a bad picture, and I should have put in more effort. <laughs> <laughs> hold the phone and scrunch my face more. Is that <laughs> what does that mean for the lay folk? Help us. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think 
uh, photography, especially when you're taking pictures of, of humans, um, it's all about angles, uh, flattering angles. Um, so I think learning kind of, um, some of those basic posing techniques and then the right angles, like for, especially for your, your, uh, your spouse, um, and a, and a loved one, if you're try and shoot down or at least even as much as you can, it, you know, when you shoot up, it instantly is creating a double chin <laughs> and no matter how, how, um, you know, in shape or, or non-existent a double chin is, it always looks like you have one. So I'd say, you know, start with the, the flattering angles and you'll, you can't go wrong, especially with how advanced iPhones are. Lighting will typically work out, but if you can get the angles right and, uh, you know, the proper posing, you're, you should be, uh, maybe that, that might be the effort that you can, uh, <laughs> you can put in, but, uh, top down, top down. Yeah. Right, I got it. I got it. All right. So back to this playbook then, what can you give away from the playbook? The purple, the purple thing was crazy. Did you use Harmon brothers at purple? Was it someone similar to that? We did. Um, yeah. Early on. Yeah. I, um, it, it had already kind of kicked off as I was joining. Um, but our kind of, um, tent pole, uh, video moment at, at purple was kind of the, the Goldilocks video. Um, if, if people remember that, um, and that was done with Harmon brothers. And I think at the time, um, you know, that was, is the time they were doing squatty potty and kind of that, that framework, um, and strategy that they put into those videos was, was really, uh, disruptive at the time. You didn't see long form video, um, and, and humor, um, wasn't really used, um, all that much in advertising. So for us, it was, how do we disrupt a traditionally boring, um, category, you know, mattresses. And, um, that was kind of the, the, the opportunity there. And I think what we've been able to take from, uh, purple is, you know, creating content and creating disruptive content, um, has really served us well. So we, we really have focused on video, um, and, and disruptive moments and, uh, formats and, um, opportunities for us to just kind of, um, insert ourselves into, um, a consideration set when maybe people weren't expecting it. Um, and, and that's how you kind of get that brand recall when people are in market, especially for a mattress, um, where you're not necessarily actively shopping, you know, it's, Hey, I need, I need a mattress. Um, and I'm good for 10 years probably. And so we really wanted to get ahead of that thought process and, and create content that was entertaining and memorable so that when you were shopping, it was like, Oh, what was that company that, yeah, they had the, it was the, the Goldilocks or the Sasquatch video, or, you know, you name it, you know, we were, we were much more like a content creation, um, juggernaut than we were just selling mattresses. We wanted to be entertaining and memorable. And, and I think that's what we've, we have kind of employed at Kizik, especially with such a demonstrable product, um, being able to, you know, again, disrupt kind of a, an industry that hadn't had a lot of, disruption. I mean, footwear really hasn't changed over the years. It's been, you know, uh, silhouettes or, or fabric material changes, but like to really come in with, um, innovative technology and, and disrupt, um, you kind of have to turn, uh, skeptics into believers. Um, and so we've done a lot of that through video and demonstration and demonstrable, um, concepts and, and that's really served as well. Yeah. I video has, I mean, video, um, 
shoes haven't changed for a long, long time. For some reason, I've managed to train my Facebook algorithm to keep serving me um, videos of mummification, like where they discover mummies. I have no idea what's going on, but one in every five pictures or videos on my Facebook feed at the moment is someone discovering a mummy in like an ancient part of the world. Weirdly, they discovered some shoes that date back 2000 years. And I was like, they kind of look like Yeezys. I mean, I think that's maybe where he got the inspiration, but you're right. It was just kind of a sole and then some fabric on top. And I was like, they probably sell today pretty well. So who's your target market then? Because for me, shoes are sold on, um, I don't know why I buy shoes. I guess I buy shoes first and foremost, if it's for function, for sport, then I'm looking for the most functional ones. But actually, is that true? Do I just wear the ones that everyone wants because they're cool? Probably, probably more in that camp. So who are you going after? Are you going after the sneakerhead? Are you going after the form and function? Like what, where do you sit? Yeah, that's a really good question. And probably the biggest question we have asked ourselves and continue to ask ourselves, um, you know, since I've been here, because um, if you think about it, you, you, you kind of hit on, on a few of them. Like there, there's the, anytime you purchase, you know, clothing or, um, you know, anything you're wearing, essentially you're, you're choosing to make some type of, um, fashion choice, whether you think you are or not, um, that that's, that's part of the decision you make. We inherently have, um, something that is very functional, uh, functional, um, you know, so when you start to think about that, it's quick, it's easy to go down a path of like those that need it most. So if you think about, you know, aging America, um, you know, those with maybe, um, uh, in the adaptive space, um, you know, pregnant, uh, pregnant moms, um, kids, right. It's easy to think about those that are like, oh, well they, they need this cause they, they inherently, um, have a harder time or need assistance, you know, putting on shoes. And so that was like the, when we first started out, that was kind of the, you know, the quickest way to go to market and start to test this. And, and, um, that's kind of where we started. It was, um, kind of aging America. So we started like 65 plus, um, because it was, you know, it's really easy to kind of show and tell, Hey, there's a better way. Um, but we knew in order to get where we wanted to go as a brand and be a billion dollar brand and kind of change the footwear industry, we had to kind of think bigger than that, um, and, and tell a different story. And so over time, we've really shifted the brand and the brand messaging to, um, you know, the most, the most recent iteration has been kind of, you know, people on the go, busy people, those that kind of look at, um, ways that they can, um, um, save time or, um, you know, improve upon kind of the, the current iteration. So it, to date, it's been a little bit more functional or fashion, but we're really now in the next evolution of our brand is really going to be, uh, more aspirational and more, um, fashion, um, and style, um, infused with kind of where we've been winning, which is function. And so it, it's, it's a continual, you know, evolution of the brand. And, and I think in order to, to be a, a household name, you have to start thinking about what people are choosing to wear from a, a style and a fashion standpoint, uh, over, uh, almost anything else. Um, so we, we think that hands-free is kind of the icing on, on top. It's like, Hey, those look good. They feel good. They're the most comfortable shoes. Oh, and they're hands-free. Uh, I'm in. Um, so that's kind of our next, our next step. And, and so we're kind of going after, um, uh, a little bit more aspirational, um, audience that's, that's going to help kind of push, push to a broader audience of, of kind of those, um, you know, our, our core audience of kind of those time sensitive, um, 
um, uh, core audience today. So uh, yeah, it's it's ever changing. It's such a broad market, which also makes it really challenging um, to go after. Yeah, I mean, there've been a number of studies. Rory Sutherland speaks about it a lot. Uh, a few others in the advertising, kind of the British advertising space that I follow, um, about you know how people buy things. I'm sure you're more than aware. You, logic and emotion is the kind of simplest thing you can boil it down to. Um, and people tend to lead with emotion and then justify with logic. And, uh, the logical part of, of what you guys do is really strong, isn't it? It's functional. It's there. You, you have that, Oh, you know, I'm, yeah, it's another pair of shoes. Sorry about that credit card or whatever, but you know, these ones are going to save me time. These, I'm not gonna have to fight my shoe every morning or after every workout, I can just slip it on and go. Um, that to me is a justification and, a, and, yep. and that emotional piece is the thing that would actually get me excited, get me interested. Oh, that guy's wearing those shoes. I like that guy. Yep. Oh, and they do that. I'm sold. Yeah. Do you see that? Is that, is that how, or is that what you're trying to create? Yeah. I think uh, allowing people to find their tribe, right? Find your community. Um, I think we've done a good job of, com- of creating um, certain pockets, like certain communities, like I said, that, that have maybe more specific uh, use cases, but creating a, like you said, an emotional connection with, um, uh, you know, a, a broad audience that, that can really drive, um, that emotion. And then we all know that, you know, we're influenced by someone that we're aspiring to be right. Uh, someone that maybe like you, you and in, in kind of the, the fitness world, you have people that you're looking up to saying, Oh, I want to look like them. You're probably not going to get to that level, but if you can be inspired and and push to, kind of go in that direction, you're, you're looking up to those people and that's who we want to create, um, you know, and build that awareness and that tribe around that, that we can, uh, that people have those, those emotional connections. And then, yeah, then you, you justify it, but like, Hey, it's checking off this box, this box, they look good. They feel good. And Oh, boom, hands-free. I never need another pair of shoes, you know, again, or, or from another brand that is, and we want you to buy tons from us. So, <laughs> Yeah. It's a good, it's a good market. I think I like shoes a lot as an industry. Uh, I like shoes a lot as D to C. There are drawbacks, and I, I, we'll come on to that in a minute. But for, for now, can you just walk us through your new customer acquisition? What do you? Le- I want to know the, the the channels you use, the ones that have been most effective for you. I want to know the creative that works best for you, and also the purchase journey. When and why you introduce different elements, like we were just talking about. When do you introduce the form and function? Is that your leading creative? Is that what gets people's attention? Or do you bring that in later on? Can you just walk us through your customer acquisition uh, journey as, in as much detail as possible, I guess? Yeah. Um, like I said, we're, we're big believers um, in, in video and with such a demonstrable product. Um, it, it is, we, we've tried, um, you know, early on, we, we tried, you know, static and still and photography and, and it, it was just really hard to demonstrate the, the reality of what hands-free meant to someone. When someone, when, when people initially heard hands-free shoes or like, well, I have sandals or I have slip-ons, but really showing someone stepping into a shoe and watching the, the heel pop back up created this like trigger in someone's mind where it was like, oh my gosh, like that, that is something different. And so we still lead, uh, really with, with video first. Um, so at the top of funnel, you know, our awareness plays is, and this comes a little bit from purple, but, um, you know, um, disruptive, um, um, 
high quality, you know, especially on YouTube, high quality, you know, brand pillar videos that really um, demonstrates who we are as a brand, but also shows off, um, you know, the technology and the the why um, and the how um, really quickly. And again, gets kind of people in um, with uh, usually entertaining. We, we've relied on humor a lot um, to really, again, create a unique space in the footwear category that really has been dominated by, um, you know, drop culture or fashion only. We we've tried to kind of put a lighter spin on that. And so you'll see a lot of like, um, you know, more entertainment, um, you know, and even long form content that really gets people kind of in the door, um, where we can, like I said, introduce them to the brand, but also demonstrate the product. And then, you know, as we kind of, um, start to push people, um, maybe down the funnel where there, um, you know, there's a little bit more consideration set going on, you know, really doubling down on kind of the, the unique, um, uh, value props that we have, which is again, it all centers around hands-free. And so we really start to introduce, um, different silhouettes and styles. Um, but also again, if we can show a step in, in the first three seconds, we know that um, the likelihood those people are going to come back and explore more is is really high. So again, we we um, we start to introduce more of more style because again, like I said earlier on, people are still buying footwear um, primarily, especially at, at the younger demographics, uh, based off of how it goes with you know their outfit um, choices or their their style. And so, showing a variety of styles and colors and and um, uh, you know, uniqueness there, uh, mixed with the demonstrable, um, element of, of hands-free really gets people kind of pushed down. And then, you know, like, like a lot of brands, the UGC and, you know, DR specific, um, uh, type content that, that plays well on Facebook and, um, you know, again, key attributes of our shoe where people are, are kind of, they're, they're on the edge, ready to buy, and they just need a little bit more of a push, um, to, to get over the hump, um, you know, with, with some type of, um, review or, or UGC, um, you know, social proof really kind of, uh, works well towards the bottom of the funnel. And, and then we've really seen, you know, as we start to, um, you know, bring people back, um, you know, footwear, there's a reason why there's a lot of, um, why drop culture works and why new styles and new color, uh, because when people find something they like, you know, kind of, keeping that flywheel going and, and repeat purchase, um, is, is primarily, you know, driven by, um, new launches and, and, um, new colorways. Um, so we're, we're constantly infusing that so we can have one to two moments a month where, um, we're, we're really bringing people back to, even if it's not something that they love or color, they'll come back and, and, um, you know, we, we have a pretty high uh, repurchase rate, somewhere around 40% uh, that people come back and, and they're buying um, again with us within, you know, uh, six months. Um, so, um, yeah, at a, at a pretty high level, that, that's kind of how we, we see, uh, you know, kind of getting people initially aware of the brand and then, you know, really demonstrating why we're different and unique. Just help us paint, just paint a picture for us in a pie chart, pie chart, pie chart context. If you were to break down your levers of paid acquisition or organic, where are you spending the most time um, by channel, by percentage? Like you can include you know, UGC and influencer in that, but if you had to just roughly break it down, like Facebook ads is probably X percent, you know, YouTube is this and paid 
maybe do paid versus organic. Uh, one yeah. pie chart paid, where are you spending your money? One pie chart for organic, where are you spending your time? Yeah, on the paid side, you know, it's um, probably 55, 60% on um, paid social, um, probably um, 20, 25% on like YouTube video, uh, um, you know, top of funnel content awareness. And then, you know, we, we come, you know, paid search comes in at, at, at you know, shopping, um, you know, 10, 15%. And then, you know, we, we have, you know, we're always testing like TikTok, uh, Snapchat, um, you know, some of those channels that we can, um, those are just a little, you know, they're, they're obviously harder to scale the, the, the quantity of content that you need to really keep that up is, is, um, really high. So, you know, Facebook and Google kind of the, the big players are, are big, um, you know, uh, take up most of our budget. And then, um, yeah, we, we've recently scaled into, um, uh, paid influencer, um, where we've, uh, you know, identify, uh, we work with an agency, but, um, you know, identify kind of, uh, influencers that can really move product. Um, you know, it's, they're, they're held to a pretty strict, uh, return on ad spend type goal, um, where we can tie that into, uh, you know, more mid to bottom funnel type acquisition efforts. Um, and then, yeah, on the organic side, you know, we, um, again, with how much we spend on paid social, we're, we're, you know, really active, um, you know, on our, on our paid social accounts and, and creating content there that can obviously be used on organic, but then repurposed into paid ads, um, and kind of an always-on TikTok um, strategy that, that can again be used from a uh, you know boosting those on the paid effort to just creating and testing new opportunities um, and trying to be um, infused in, in culture in cultural moments uh, through a TikTok strategy. So um, yeah, a lot of efforts there. Um, uh, you know, our our primary audience right now is. Um, you know, that 25 to 40 year old women, woman on the go, busy mom. Um, that's kind of who we're aiming at. So you'll see a lot of our content kind of geared, um, towards that because they're making purchase decisions for themselves, usually their husbands, their kids, uh, you know, influencing their girlfriends and then also buying for their parents too. So it's kind of this, you know, it's, it's been a, a good spot for us to kind of, uh, really focus our efforts there. And so, you know, that they really are living on, you know, Instagram and, and TikTok and in those areas. So you are in the D2C space. If you have a brand that's selling online and you haven't at least had a demo with Sendlane, then one of two things is objectively true about you. You like setting money on fire. You like making your life more difficult. If neither of those things are true and you are an e-commerce brand and you are selling online, you do send emails, you do send SMS, you do have reviews or you least like to collect reviews then there is no reason for you not to at least have had a demonstration with Sendlane they are built for e-commerce they are the most modern platform with the best features in my opinion at the lowest cost I mean I'm not really sure what would be holding you back please go and check them out show notes below they have an event coming up you can still get tickets I believe for that event in San Diego a link to the commerce roundtable in the show notes below as well please do Go and check out Zenland if you haven't already. Back to the episode. Does he 
the effort that you put into the content and the creative match the percentage that uh, you are um, allocating on the paid channels. What I mean by that is if social media, Facebook is the primary channel, maybe YouTube secondary, do you also focus an equal amount in terms of your resource and creating content for that channel? Or is there an inverse relationship there where you're like, actually, we're going to spend 80% of our time creating this YouTube video and we'll do a few things for Facebook. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think um, time and money are probably, uh, I'd give a different answer. Like we spend a lot of time churning and creating new content to fuel these engines and machines um, that may be a little bit more lo-fi or um, like I said, you know, we, we do a lot of UGC um, and um, those take up a lot of time, but those, though we're not dumping resources from a, you know, a production standpoint into those, when we create more of our, um, you know, high production value content that we run, you know, on YouTube that plays really well, maybe it's long form, those we're dumping, yeah, a lot of resources and those clearly take time, but we're usually, you know, um, uh, that that's, you know, it's one piece of creative that gets chopped up into, you know, 30 different pieces, but it all, um, you know, those are usually planned out, you know, uh, twice a year or so. And so it's a lot of lead up to those and a lot of prep and planning. And then, you know, uh, monetarily go into that to creating a, you know, a really polished piece, but, um, you know, day to day and kind of the, you know, keeping, um, these beasts fed it's, it's a lot of like, um, you know, creating that lo-fi content that, that you can just churn out quickly. So we try and get, you know, 20 to 25 pieces of content out a week that are kind of keeping uh, that machine going while we can, you know, we're using kind of our, our anchor and tentpole videos to really create that awareness and, and video. And those obviously just, you know, we, we spend more money and, and uh, an effort on those uh, from a, like a creative resource standpoint. So um, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. That, that answers your question, but it's kind of a, it's a different way that we employ our time and resources uh, against those. Do, do you spend more? I'll ask this for Purple and is it an answer for both companies? Do you spend more creating content or amplifying the content with paid? Uh, for sure, amplifying. Yeah. Um, we can get a lot of, uh, there's a lot of runway when you, when you spend time creating uh, the strategy and like the pre-pro upfront to to maximize the lifespan and the what you get out of it, then yeah, those those can last for you know sometimes. I think we even ran Goldilocks uh, ran for a couple of years, right? And so it was just fuel fuel that. Um, and uh, yeah, same. We've seen similar things at Kizik where if we create a great you know um, spot, you know we can we can run that for for a year, year and a half, um, uh, and put a lot of, a lot of money behind those. What, what are the main differences between selling matches and slinging shoes in your opinion? Um, uh, that's a, that's a good question. I, I'd say, um, shoes are, uh, a lot more sexy. Uh, uh, people, um, care more about, you know, how they present themselves and, and like I said, style and, and there's a lot more opportunity to, to, um, 
you know, uh, like we just recently launched a collaboration with, we did a jet puff collab. So we launched a, a toasted marshmallow shoe, um, that, you know, showing up on, you know, uh, hype beast or some of these more culturally relevant places is, uh, it's pretty fun where, you know, the mattress world was, was kind of, it's, it's not super sexy. We tried our best to liven it up and create entertaining that. Um, so that's been fun. Um, the, um, footwear takes a lot longer. The, the product life cycle takes a long time to create from design to launching. Um, you know, it can sometimes be 18 months before you see a, a new shoe come out. Um, so it, it takes a lot more patience to iterate and create product. Um, but we're also able to, you know, repeat buyers and getting people back. Um, like I said, people buy a mattress and a pillow and, a, you know, sheets once every five to seven years, maybe you can sell them sheets or a pillow again, but they're, they're, they're gone. Whereas, you know, like I said, we can get, you know, uh, two, three time buyers within a year, um, uh, up to, you know, people, people buy uh, upwards up to five pairs of shoes a year, um, if not more. And so there's a lot more room to get people back in the door and, and, uh, create that evangelism. So that's been really fun to see a community thrive and build upon those diehard fans that, that you're able to create. And it, it, I mean, shoes as a, as a, as a DTC business coming into it, what were your thoughts? And then now you've been in it for four years. Is it a good DTC? I know you just opened a retail store, recently opened retail. I would like to know a bit more about that, but, but is it a good DTC business? Yes. Yes. And no. I mean, I think, uh, it, with with any apparel brand and footwear, if not controlled, it can really uh, inventory and like for every color, there's you know thirteen different styles. For every style, there you mean there, it, it just can exponentially build upon itself. So inventory and and uh, resource management and kind of the the behind the scenes logistics can be really tricky, and you can be upside down if you forecast, um, uh, gets, gets out of control or, or you miss. And so I think that's the scariest part, um, with D to C is, um, you know, and if return rates, you know, and, and you, you don't nail the product, um, it, it can go wrong. Um, but controlling your own destiny and how you position your brand and, and, you know, everything from, from your margins to, to pricing and, and, um, it, it's, there's a lot of flexibility and freedom that you don't get from when you start to go wholesale and, um, you know, having to be accountable for, for others. But, you know, like I said, we, we've recently launched in Nordstrom. Um, we're, we're in five stores now and we love that relationship and, and are, uh, going to continue to, to ramp up there. And, and while that does limit some flexibility on the D to C side, it, the distribution and, and the, the ability to be associated with, you know, brands like Nordstrom and, and some of the other partners that will we'll be a new is, um, does really, you have a nice halo effect where people can, can discover your product in another way that you just can't do through D to C or, or people just don't want to buy footwear, you know, online, they need to try it on. And, um, people are really particular about, you know, footwear sometimes. So, um, yeah, definitely pros and cons, but, um, We've been fortunate enough to really scale primarily on DC up to this point. The 
become a nine figure brand. Um, you know, all D to C primarily, and, and now you know work our way um, strategically into retail and wholesale. So, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a great place to be when when it's working the way that you intend. So, it's a good industry. I, I have multiple pairs of shoes. I don't know anyone who just has one pair of shoes. Yeah. You have pairs of shoes for uses, for style, for fashion. So I do like the fact that yeah, you can you buy multiple pairs, multiple pairs a year usually. Um, and I guess the margins are probably pretty good. But like you said, you've got a stack of sizes, colors, returns, and a lot of uphills, but they also become a, a little bit of a moat, I guess. Um, all right, man. Well, I want to leave it with this. The future, I mean, the past has been amazing with, with Kizik by the sounds of things. What's your stick in the sand for the future? What are you aiming towards and what's your timeline on it and how are you getting there? Yeah. Um, I think you heard me reference a couple of times. We, we want to be the next, um, you know, billion dollar brand. We, we, um, we want to disrupt this industry and, and kind of plant our flag as, um, the next evolution of footwear. Um, and we feel like we have, uh, you know, the moat around us to get there and, um, just so much potential, um, to, to help us, you know, over the next three to five years. So, you know, we're going to do that by, um, we, like you said, we, we opened our first retail store here in Salt Lake city. It's our, it's our hometown and, and that's gone, um, far and above, um, expectation, um, and kind of lit a fire under us to, um, expand into, uh, retail even, uh, more quickly. So, you know, hope is to, that we can open up three to five more stores next year. We already have um, some locations that we're looking at and, and, uh, and on the way. And so that's going to be a big one for us. And then we've recently, um, you know, we hired, um, you know, people from, um, some amazing brands to help us from, for, uh, international expansion. Um, there's a whole opportunity for both cultural and, and lifestyle, um, you know, those that we can really need. Uh, and use hands-free footwear and then just opening up, you know, new markets. So that's going to be a, a push for us in 24. Um, and then we mentioned wholesale. Um, that's an area for us to, to really open up distribution and, and align ourselves with partners like Nordstrom and, and others where we can be discovered in a, in a different way. So, you know, um, I think with really doubling down on what we do right now really well, which is D2C and we'll, we'll always be a D2C first company, but opening up new channels for us. Um, we couldn't be more excited about the future of, of what that looks like and, and, uh, you know, bringing on some super talented people, um, to, to help us get there. So, um, none of us were footwear experts when we came on. And so we're, we're trying to surround ourselves with, with really amazing people, um, to, to kind of help us, uh, level up and, and take this, like I said, uh, globally. So, uh, a lot, a lot on the horizon for us. What's one thing that you're trying to solve for right now that the Econ Gold community may or may not be able to help you with? It could be a hire that you're looking for. It could be someone to help you with international tax and litigation. Uh, what's something that's uh, fairly high on your agenda that you, you need to get solved and could do with a hand with? Good question. Um, uh, one, one um, you know, on the hiring side, we... Um, we, we feel like, you know, there's a, there's a big opportunity for us, um, with, um, brand collaborations and, um, 
just infusing um, partnerships and and uh, uh, like I said, we, we just did one that was kind of our first uh, foray into uh, a, a collaboration with Jetpop, which went really well. We, you know, uh, we were going to sell out of those shoes, and it was just a great moment for us. But we'd really like to go deeper into that and create uh, more connections with brands and, and communities where we can uh, really push the bounds and do some neat stuff. So if anyone has great experience there, we'd, we'd love to talk and, and uh, you know, do more uh, really cool collabs and, and, uh, and, you know, experiential marketing, things like that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of top of mind for me and, and the team that, that I manage. You heard it there, folks. If you can help, please do. Um, that, that that launch was sick. I mean, the shoes were so comfy. <laughs> so comfy. All right, we'll end it there. Thank you very much, Brett, for joining us on the Ecom Gold Podcast. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you, Brett. Thanks for joining us on the Ecom Gold Podcast. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you found some value in that episode. You can reach out to Brett on Twitter. You can reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, the show was brought to you by Senlane. It was brought to you by Rewind. If you'd like a deal, if you'd like a demo, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to them. Uh, links in the show notes below. I appreciate you getting to the end. You must be as passionate as I am about e-commerce. So thank you very much for being a supporter of the show. If you see us anywhere, like, tweet, please subscribe on YouTube. It really helps. Uh, I'm not sure what apart from my ego, but there you go. Please do anyway. And uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>